back to the David Glenn Show. David Cutcliffe of Duke in 60 minutes. Jones Angel, voice of the Tar Heels, on the Cole Anthony debut in other college basketball. Joining us now, as promised, he's been the NFL Executive of the Year, and we often like to pick his brain on matters related to the salary cap, trades, transactions, free agency, or a guy like Antonio Brown trying to get into the NFL again after being the signature signature guy on, I think it's eight different grievances against teams like the Raiders and the Patriots. He was with the Vikings when he was named the NFL Executive of the Year. He now contributes to the Sporting News, where you can find his article, uh, among others, about the Panthers and their approaching breakup with that Cam Newton guy. Jeff Diamond, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? Good, David. How are you doing? We're doing well. What's the number one reason or starting point that you think it is highly unlikely that Cam Newton and the Panthers will stay together uh, into next year, which is the final year of its existing contract? Yeah, I, I think it's a combination of factors, honestly. I think there, there are several things that are at work here. And, and first of all, you look at the last couple of years and, and he uh, Cam misses the last couple of games last year and the second half of the season, he was dealing with a shoulder pain, even though his, his stats were pretty good. But the season ends up seven and nine. Then this year, of course, two games, and then he's done for the year with with the Liz Frank injury. And and I think it's just kind of a combination of, of things that are at work now for him that are that are not going to work in his favor. And and you start with the fact that that he's got uh, he, he's got one year left on his contract, and it's at, at a nineteen point one million dollar number. But the big problem he's got is, is that he has he has only $2 million of dead money left if, if they decide to let him go, as opposed to if he had been fortunate enough to get one of those big Matt Ryan, yeah. Kirk Cousin-type deals with the guarantees and, and $100 million in guarantees or Jared Goff or Carson Wentz. And if he'd gotten that deal, then Marty Herney and, and Ron Rivera's hands would be tied and they'd be stuck with him. Uh, for another year and have to wait for him to get healthy and or for another year or more. And so the fact that the way his contract is right now, uh, the timing is bad for him. And I think that that sets it up that they can, they can utilize that money and pick up $19 million of, of cap savings, letting him go. And plus they've got a quarterback who is having success in Kyle Allen with a five and one record. And, and it's also a very quarterback rich draft coming up. And not that the Panthers would be at the top of the draft, so they're not going to get the very top guys, but there's some other good players, uh, good quarterbacks potentially in that draft that can can come down in the first round. And we saw that last year with Lamar Jackson, for example, who was the fifth guy taken in the first round among the quarterbacks, and he's the best one so far. So uh, that's how that can work out, too, in their their favor, and if they can identify the right guy. So I, I just think that at this stage of his career, and, and I don't think his career is over by any stretch. And I think there'll be plenty of teams that'll be interested. But I, I think that they're they're headed towards a divorce and, and that the Panthers would let him go next year, pick up that $19 million, and use a lot of that money to go, go towards a, an extension on Christian McCaffrey that is going to have to happen next year. Jeff Diamond is joining us. Find his article about Cam and the Panthers at SportingNews.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Jeff Diamond NFL. In a scenario where, let's say, somehow, someway, David Tepper and, and Marty Herney and Ron Rivera believed 
that one more year of Cam was was worth it. You know, nine years, we want to see what this guy has left. We want to see him in a Panthers uniform one more time. How does the player and agent usually think at that point? Because, and I, clearly you don't believe the Panthers will go down this road as a team, but if they were interested in that, would Cam or somebody like him be hesitant to play that final year of a deal? Uh, does Cam or his representatives, do they believe that he can get that big money over a long term somewhere else, even as a guy who's taken a lot of hits and is pretty beaten up uh, for somebody even in his early 30s? Yeah, I think that the mentality of, of, a, of a quarterback who's been a league MVP and a Super Bowl quarterback and his agent would say that, hey, my, I, I was performing pretty well last year before I got hurt, and if I'm healthy, I, I have great value, and why should I have to pay, play out the final year of my contract when nobody else does around the league these days that, that's in that position and as a, as a supposedly elite quarterback? And so I think that would create another potential headache for the Panthers if they, if they try to go down that road and, and try to force – uh, force Cam to play the, out the final year of his contract, and and so I think they just have to make a decision. Either either, either here's the, he's their guy long term, and they're going to extend him, which I don't think they're going to want to do, given his injury history and the fact that there are other players that can come up, uh, other quarterbacks that they can draft, and and that they like what Kyle Allen's doing. So it just seems inevitable that, that that's the direction that they would go. And yeah, if I'm if I, and I do work with an agent group. I would certainly not recommend Cam Newton come back on a, on a last year of his deal. Everybody seems to agree that Kyle Allen has dramatically upgraded the way the NFL views him. And the Panthers do have the advantage of having exclusive rights to him moving forward. From your former NFL executive point of view, should Kyle Allen be taken seriously as a possible full-time starter in this league, or would the Panthers and everybody else be better served in your eyes to view him as a very capable backup, but probably not that number one guy? Well, I, I think it's it's a little early to tell with six starts under his belt, yeah. and and I think that 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 remains to be seen. If he gets him into the playoffs this year in a tough NFC, goes into Lambeau Field this week and gets a win, for example, then it starts to change what the viewpoint is for GMs around the league. And and, and furthermore, he, he's an exclusive rights player anyway. Yeah. So there's nowhere he can go at this stage of his career. He, he's kind of stuck in that in that mode of, of the Russell Wilson entry-level quarterback uh, and even, even lower, or Dak Prescott who was picked in the fourth round, Russell Wilson in the third round. And, and the, those teams got the benefit of those cheap quarterback yeah. salaries for several years and were able to build teams around them, which was great for the Seahawks, led them to a couple of Super Bowls, which has been great for the Cowboys as, as they've been able to c- capitalize on, on Prescott's rookie deal. But now Prescott's pressing, obviously, for his next contract, and I'm surprised that's not done yet uh, with, with the fact that he's playing pretty well for, the, for Dallas. But, yeah, I think – for Kyle Allen, he's really two years away from even being in, in the thought process of, of looking at a major deal or teams outside of the Panthers even having a shot at him. He'd have to have to have completed four years and the, and the Panthers not put a, a franchise or transition tag on him or something like that. So uh, it's really premature on that. But 
got to like what you've seen so far, and and he's playing really well, and and certainly it doesn't hurt to have Christian McCaffrey in the backfield, who is having a, a phenomenal season, and and potentially will be. I, I think I think he's a little behind the pace of of uh, of, of the league record of, of Chris Johnson for combined yards, but he's close and having a great year, and and so they just keep riding him and. I think that obviously helps Kyle Allen a lot. For Panthers fans who are dreaming big, can you remind us how realistic or not it is? Given the Panthers are five and three, we'll see if they make the playoffs or not. You know, there's a big college football game this weekend where number two LSU is led by Heisman front runner Joe Burrow at quarterback, and Alabama assumedly is going to be led by Tua Tungavailoa, assuming his ankle is okay. You know, those are two of the front runners for the Heisman there, along with, I guess, Justin Herbert of uh, Oregon, the three guys expected to be the highest picks at quarterback in next year's NFL draft. If the Panthers finish in the middle of the pack, and remember they just spent a third-round pick on Will Greer out of West Virginia at the quarterback position. So you still have Kyle Allen, you still have Will Greer. What would it take to trade up into the echelon of the first round where if you fell in love with a Joe Burrow or a Tua Tungavaloa or a Justin Herbert, you know, on the trade market, the Panthers could get something like that done? Yeah, I I think that, honestly, I I don't see them – I don't see the Panthers making the playoffs in the NFC. I think it's it's just it's so loaded this year, yeah. and and I think that that it, it's I think they're going to fall a little bit short. I can see them in a nine and seven type of of realm, and and then they're in the middle of the draft more or less, and then they'd have to go up from maybe sixteen or eighteen up to up to maybe ten or so yeah. to get a shot at one of those three guys, and and I think that that's probably doable. But it's going to take a, a, a lot of uh, cojones to, to yeah. spend that draft capital to do that, and I, I don't know that, that they're going to take that approach. And and there are several. It is a deep quarterback class, and there are several other guys that that could be that could be very good players in the second, third, fourth rounds. And guys like Jalen Hurts, for example. And so we'll see what how it all shakes out, but. But I think that that it would be it would be probably cost them a future number one or, or future number one and a number two to move up from say eighteen to ten, and I, I'm not sure that Marty is going to want to do that and and make that type of move uh, when there are, are other needs on the football team too. Jeff Diamond's joining us. Find his work at SportingNews.com. Follow him on Twitter at Jeff Diamond NFL. He was the NFL Executive of the Year during his time with the Minnesota Vikings. As a front office person, do you usually have an advance read on something like the Ezekiel Elliott Cowboys holdout this year? Or, or Christian McCaffrey, remember, is coming up on the end of year three. So he is under contract for 2020 for $5.5 million. And then there's that team option for the Panthers in 2021. Uh, some folks are worried, you know, what if Christian does what Zeke did? and says, you know, I'm not waiting until the end of my fourth year to get that option triggered for the fifth year. You know, I want, I want more security now. I'm, t- I'm carrying the ball a lot, you know. I'm in for 90-some percent of these Panthers snaps, and I'm taking a beating out there. Do you usually have a read here in November on whether that's a potential headache or not? Oh, I think it's a real, the real deal headache, and I think the blueprint's already been set. Yeah. By by Elliot, by Todd Gurley, previously, 
in terms of, of getting that, that big lucrative deal in uh, as you're going into your fourth year, for example, which is where McCaffrey will be, which is where Dalvin Cook will be, yeah. who's having a similar type of, of great year this year up, up where I am in Minnesota. And both of those guys, I think, are going to going to want to to be paid next year and not be playing for a, a couple million bucks when their market value is is fifteen to eighteen to maybe twenty million bucks on a long term deal, depending where you think the, the the next CBA is going, where the next TV contracts are going, where the salary cap's going, and so so yeah, I, I don't think there's any way that Christian McCaffrey is going to play next year for five million bucks under that fourth year deal that he's going to want the same kind of treatment that, that Elliot got and that Gurley got and, and so on and so forth. And, and I think it's, it's, it's inevitable that that's going to be the situation he's going to look at. It's similar to the quarterbacks out there. When you talk about Patrick Mahomes, he's not going to play next year on his fourth year and, and play, play for whatever salary he's due to yep. get when, when his market value is 35 million a year at least, and and he knows that, so so that's going to be a, a situation the Chiefs are going to have to deal with next year. And, and because again, the blueprint has been set. Goff got his deal. Wentz got his deal as they were going into their fourth year, and and so it, it's just uh, and that's that's what's got to be frustrating for Dak Prescott right now that he's sitting there still playing for two million bucks for a division leading team. Last thing for Jeff Diamond, find his work at SportingNews.com. You've been at this for a long time. When Maybe you saw the news earlier today. The veteran wideout Antonio Brown is going to meet with the NFL maybe early next week. This is a guy who has eight grievances filed against the Raiders and the Patriots. Uh, he's, of course, been in a lot of the wrong headlines off the field. Is your rule of thumb, hey, as long as somebody believes he can still be productive, somebody's going to sign him even through all of this chaos and negativity? Or has Antonio Brown burned so many bridges that you're not sure you'll ever see him in the NFL again? Well, it's the old saying, David, all it takes is one team out of 32. Yeah, right. <laughs> and and so I, I expect Antonio Brown to be back in the league. I'm not sure it's going to be this year uh, because I think teams will be concerned about what kind of shape he's in. Maybe they'll bring him in for a workout or whatever. Uh, and, and there'll be a, a lot of teams that, that won't want any, any part of him. And based on what's happened with his track record, personally, I, I wouldn't want to deal with him as a GM. And, and I'd rather go out and find other players that, that could help me or go to the draft next year, whatever. But but I think th- there'll be some team out there that'll kind of make that mistake and think they're one player away. And, <laughs> and I kind of predicted, even at the beginning of, of the whole thing with the Raiders, that it wasn't going to end well for the Raiders with Antonio Brown. And I don't think it's going to end well for the Browns with Odell Beckham Jr. either. And just wait. Things are going to blow up there, too, with him at some point in time. And it could be sooner than later if they keep losing. So I think Antonio Brown is, is, a, is a headache. He's a diva. He's an egomaniac. He's more interested in being a celebrity off the field and being a great player on the field at this stage of, of his life. And that's not the kind of guy I want on my team. But somebody's going to make the mistake and bring him in, and they're going to they may get a couple of weeks of good play, but they're going to eventually regret it. 
His name is Jeff Diamond, 1999 NFL Executive of the Year, on Twitter at Jeff Diamond NFL. The Cam Panthers breakup article is at the Sporting News and that website right now, sportingnews.com. Find all of Jeff's work there. Thanks, you, thanks uh, as always, for your time on the David Glenn Show. Keep up the good work. Thanks, David. Appreciate it. You got it. Take Dave, care. David Cutcliffe of Duke live in 45 minutes. Life, sports, football, and his Blue Devils, the 2013 National Coach of the Year, is playing against a team, Notre Dame, that actually briefly employed him. Coach Cut was read already on the Notre Dame website. He worked there for a matter of months. And then 14 years ago, he suffered a heart attack and had to recalibrate things. We're glad he's still around. We're glad he's in our backyard. Coach Cut on life sports football, the Blue Devils, and his brief time with this week's opponent, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, who will be invading Wallace Wade Stadium on Saturday night here in Durham. Jones Angel was on the call as history was made last night in Chapel Hill. The freshman point guard, Cole Anthony. We warned you yesterday. We warned you. Something special was about to make his debut. Someone special in Chapel Hill. And Cole Anthony certainly lived up to the hype, even exceeded it. No freshman in the 60-plus year history of the ACC has scored more points in his freshman debut game than Cole Anthony's 34 last night for the Tar Heels in the 76-65 win over Notre Dame at the Smith Center. 11 rebounds, 5 assists, and a steal. We'll get Jones Angel's thoughts on all things college basketball and the latest freshman sensation in Chapel Hill. Coach Cut, third hour. Jones Angel later this hour. And, of course, we welcome your questions and comments. Philip Rivers, national TV tonight, inspired a question of the day. Who's the greatest NFL quarterback of the Super Bowl era who has never played in that biggest of all NFL games. Philip Rivers was number one on that list in an article posted earlier today by Bill Barnwell at ESPN.com. We've had some fun with that one with your phone calls. Also, Kemba Walker, formerly of the Charlotte Hornets, is wearing the Boston Celtics uniform tonight as he returns for his Charlotte homecoming. That inspired the question, who is that current or former athlete for you personally? from your favorite team, college or pro, who would inspire the greatest, the longest, the most heartfelt, perhaps tear-jerking standing ovation from you when he or she had his homecoming game. That's the context as the Celtics visit the Hornets tonight in Charlotte. It's a national TV game on TNT in large part because the greatest player in Charlotte Hornets history the three-time All-Star, all-time career scorer, for example, among other categories for the Hornets. His homecoming is tonight. It has been much anticipated. The 5-1 and one Celtics visiting the 4-3 and three Hornets. Who is that person for you? Maybe you have shed those tears at that homecoming in the past. You can be next at 1-800-849-2761. We're glad you're with us on the David Glenn Show. I would never be so competitive, so childish, that I would actually keep track of my record as a coach in youth soccer. I mean, that would be ridiculous. So when I think about my 78 wins, two losses, and four ties, <laughs> not that I was keeping track or anything. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. Anthony now forces a shot, and he gets it to go. Anthony now, quickness. Look at foul. And one. Anthony from deep. Four to shoot. Anthony. Oh, 20 points for Anthony in the second half. 23. Anthony again. Another three. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. 
The Cole Anthony Show. Last night, Chapel Hill, Tar Heels over Notre Dame. Just as Duke got off on the right foot Tuesday night, Tar Heels got off on the right foot last night, both highly regarded in the national rankings and in the ACC pecking order, as usual. As we come to your calls, Phillip Rivers and the Chargers on national TV tonight, who are those greatest quarterbacks of the Super Bowl era who never got to the Super Bowl? Phillip Rivers, formerly of NC State, was actually number one on an ESPN article along those lines earlier today. Another former Chargers QB, Dan Fouts, was number three. Warren Moon was number two. Tony Romo was number four. You can jump in on that one. And with Kemba Walker returning to Charlotte tonight, our other question of the day, not just for basketball fans or NBA fans, but what current or former athlete for your favorite team, college or pro, would inspire the greatest, the longest, the most heartfelt standing ovation if you were there at his or her homecoming game and why. Kemba is going to get that kind of reception tonight at the Spectrum Center in Charlotte as this 5-1 and one Celtics with Kemba leading the way. Visit your 4-3 and three Hornets, 1-800-849-2761. The audio you heard was from the ACC Network call last night. Chris Cotter with the play-by-play. Jones Angel, of course, the play-by-play voice of the North Carolina Tar Heels nowadays. He's our guest a little bit later this hour on the Cole Anthony phenomenon. I was asked by Sydney and Charlotte. DJ, you've been around for a long time. Credit to you for warning us about Cole Anthony on yesterday's show. How many other scoring point guards come to mind when you think of what you saw last night from Cole Anthony? Again, 34 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists, and a steal as the Tar Heels beat the Irish 76-65. It's a great question. As we come to your calls, it's a great question in large part because with Carolina being one of the most storied programs in the history of college sports, there's no doubt about that. If you think about it for however long you've been a fan of college basketball or college sports more generally, feels like nine times out of ten, the leading scorer for the Tar Heels is not going to be the point guard, right? Just think about way back, I mean, James Worthy, when the Tar Heels won it all for Dean Smith, In 1982, James Worthy, one of the greatest power forwards in NBA history after his time in Chapel Hill, James Worthy was the Tar Heels' leading scorer. Do you know to whom he passed the leading scorer baton? It was a wing guard named Michael Jordan. You may have heard of him. He led the Tar Heels in scoring for a couple years before he jumped early to the NBA. So you got the wing scorer guy. You've got the post player guy. And nine times out of ten, that's what it is, right? I don't know at what point, Darren, growing up in southwestern Virginia, the Tar Heels started hitting your radar. But more recently, for four years in a row, Tyler Hansbro, post player, led the Tar Heels in scoring, right? That's the way it usually goes. Carolina is famous for, among other things, being a big man machine and sending James Worthy you know, Brad Dougherty onto the NBA. Eric Montross, now a broadcaster with our upcoming guest, Jones Angel, uh, and on the Tar Heels calls. You have the wing guys. A Jerry Stackhouse led the Tar Heels in scoring. For example, a Rashad McCants led the Tar Heels in scoring, what was that, 15 years ago. Sean May, big man, led the Tar, Tar Heels in scoring. Harrison Barnes, wing scorer, led the Tar Heels in scoring. Nine times out of ten, that's what it is. 
Now, it's only one game, but is anybody betting against Cole Anthony, freshman point guard, leading the Tar Heels in scoring this year? Like, good luck with that if you have somebody else. I love Garrison Brooks as a two-way player and a shot blocker, and he runs the floor, and he plays with a high motor and a high basketball IQ. He can score down low. He's a heck of a guy. Maybe he even blossoms into an all-ACC candidate. Tar Heels are going to be led by scoring, in scoring, by freshman point guard Cole Anthony. And that list is relatively short. When you go all the way back to the Dean Smith era, I mean, I, don't, I wasn't born when Dean Smith started coaching the Tar Heels in the early 60s. But in my memory, for example, Phil Ford, point guard, did lead the Tar Heels in scoring for three years in a row. And there are many Tar Heel basketball fans who describe to this day Phil Ford as the greatest point guard in Carolina history. He could run the four corners, if you remember that. He could distribute the ball, but he also led him in scoring not once but three straight years in the 70s. There are more recent examples of that as well. But Ed Coda is one of the leading assist men in college basketball history because he was the more common type of Carolina point guard, more distributor than scorer. You don't get into that Bobby Hurley, Chris Corciani zillion assist territory the way Ed Coda did at the end of the 90s unless you're a pass-first point guard. That's the way it usually goes, definitely under Dean Smith, although there has been somewhat of a change there under Roy Williams. Because if you think old school, you're going to find Phil Ford leading men scoring in the 70s from the point guard position, again, surrounded by a lot of years where it's either your wing scorer or your post player leading the team in scoring. Kenny Smith in attendance last night. Pretty cool. Greg Anthony father of Cole Anthony was in the house at the Smith Center former UNLV guard former NBA guard Kenny Smith of course one of the other greats in Carolina point guard history also now a famous broadcaster his son is also on the team although not the superstar freshman Kenny Smith led the Tar Heels in scoring in one year in the 80s Phil Ford three years in the 70s you know there aren't many more examples at point guard over several decades of Dean Smith as the head coach it has changed lately because if you remember Kobe White, the one-and-done freshman point guard for Roy Williams last year, as you probably should prepare yourself for Cole Anthony being a one-and-done point guard for the Tar Heels this year, Kobe White, if I remember correctly, barely missed leading the team in scoring last year from the point guard position. Cam Johnson ended up, you know, wing scorer, three-point specialist and otherwise. It was Cam barely over Kobe, if I remember correctly. But Joel Berry led the Tar Heels in scoring, kind of a combo guard, but you could call him a point guard, right? Marcus Page led the Tar Heels in scoring. Uh, there, I, I think he did, yeah. Joel Berry and Marcus Page definitely did. Kobe White came up just, just short. Phil Ford in the 70s, Kenny Smith in the 80s. I've seen a lot of really good point guards. Cole Anthony entered himself into that equation last night. Now, you can't put him into Phil Ford territory yet. He's played one game. You can't even think of the point guards Roy has had, just Roy Williams. Raymond Felton helped the Tar Heels to the national championship. He didn't lead the team in scoring, but he was a pretty good scorer. Ty Lawson led the Tar Heels to a national championship. He didn't, I don't think he led the team in scoring, but he was a very, not exactly a pass-first-by-nature point guard. Felton and Lawson were kind of that combo of great distributors and great scorers. Kendall Marshall was a brilliant distributor. Marcus Page and Joel Berry, more scoring and assists. 
And Kobe White was more of a natural scorer, not as much a national natural distributor. Cole Anthony looks to me like he can do it all. By freshman standards, he's a very good defender. 34 points at least starts him on a path of a scoring point guard like Phil Ford and Kenny Smith and some of those others. His work ethic is great. He doesn't seem to be a prima donna at all. Everybody who's played for has said he's a team first guy. He's a leader. He's always trying to win the work, you know, the, the workout drills, but but he's not carrying that, you know, I'm the center of the universe chip on his shoulder. It's a great sign for Roy Williams and the Tar Heels. Roy's biggest issue moving forward is actually not who is your star. You found him last night. Not even who's your post player. Garrison Brooks is that. It's who else is really good on that roster, you know? Who's their third best player? To be vintage Tar Heels under Roy Williams, you need more than Garrison Brooks in the post and Cole Anthony, superstar freshman. The rest of that cast has to get a lot better for the Heels to get where they want to go. But in terms of first steps, no need to nitpick the Blue Devils' errors against Kansas. Celebrate the win over the number three team in the nation. No need to nitpick the supporting cast. Celebrate the win. 76-65 to 65 over a pretty solid Notre Dame team with the arrival of your next superstar, Cole Anthony. 34 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists, and a steal. 1-800-849-2761. Jones Angel is the play-by-play voice of the North Carolina Tar Heels. Mac Brown has energized UNC football and helped fill Keenan Stadium. The Smith Center is almost always full. Jones Angel just got his first regular season look at the latest Tar Heel freshman. Cole Anthony set the all-time ACC record with 34 points in his freshman debut. That's in the history of a conference that's not far from its 70th birthday a few years down the road. Jones Angel, voice of the Tar Heels on the other side, David Cutcliffe of the Duke Football Blue Devils in about 30 minutes. Your calls in between and after at 1-800-849-2761. More college hoops and maybe some college football with the voice of the Tar Heels, Jones Angel, next on the David Glenn Show. Christian Leitner, thanks for joining us. It's been less than a week since the I Hate Christian Leitner 30 for 30. The final product of the movie was absolutely awesome. I love every second of it. Maybe I'm not seeing the same thing everyone else is seeing, but I thought the movie was awesome and I loved it. Keep it here on The David Glenn Show. the David Glenn Show, David Cutcliffe of Duke on life, sports, football, and his Blue Devils. Notre Dame once hired David Cutcliffe. Easy to forget. He had a heart attack 14 years ago. Had to stay away from football for a while. He, of course, is now the 12th year head coach of the Blue Devils who face and host Notre Dame on Saturday night. More on that later with Coach Cut. Our next guest is not only the distinguished play-by-play voice of the North Carolina Tar Heels, he got to witness history last night. Cole Anthony scored more points than any ACC freshman basketball player making his debut ever, and Jones Angel was there to call it for Carolina's broadcast crew. Jones, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? 
DG, I'm doing great. I got a little nervous there when you were talking about Coach Cutcliffe. I was like, oh, man, does DG have his guest uh, lined yeah. up in the wrong order? Yeah. I, I don't think I can handle everything that Coach Cut can. So <laughs> glad he's coming up later. But And I was glad to be there last night in the Smith Center. It uh, certainly was an impressive performance by Cole Anthony, and the Tar Heels needed it last night. Um, and it was fun to see and, and glad to talk about it with you today. There will be a day, Jones, where I screw up the order of my guests. Fortunately, <laughs> I'm not that far down amnesia lane just yet. You've seen a lot of college basketball. In the, from the context of even some highly regarded freshmen needing some time to become their best self, you know, a Harrison Barnes of UNC Vintage not too long ago, how do you put in perspective what Cole Anthony just did because 34 points, 11 rebounds, five assists, and a steal, and the key reason the Heels beat Notre Dame, I mean, that's the shot out of a cannon equivalent of a first-time college basketball player. Yeah, it's a good point, and a couple different things. One, I think what was so impressive about the game performance itself from Cole Anthony wasn't just the, the 34 points and that's impressive and Carolina needed it and but we, we've seen guys get hot and you know make a couple shots in a row and, and really be able to put the ball in the basket shoot Kobe White had 23 points and a half last year at some point just like Cole Anthony did last night uh, for the Tar Heels but to me what was so impressive was the totality of the performance the completeness of his game um the 11 rebounds led the team the five assists led the team he's really good defensively um it, it was all of it not not just the points it was the total performance that that was so impressive and then when you put that in the context that you're talking about dg that it was his first game and a lot of times particularly at that position for carolina the point guard is not easy to play at Carolina. Coach Williams asked that position to do a lot, to have a lot of responsibility, and to be able to handle all of that very quickly, um, to be able to handle all of the outside expectations that Cole Anthony has on him, um, I think makes it even more impressive. But I will also say, DG, that and I don't, I'm not going to say that you expected it to that level, but one of the things that's been the most impressive about Cole Anthony before you saw him on the court was his maturity, was his the way he carried himself, the way that he worked in conditioning and in the weight room and in all those other things that people don't see or talk about that much. Um, that stuff has really impressed his teammates, his coaches, the people around the program leading up to the year. And so when you mix in all of that, with the obvious natural talent that he has, um, that's when you become that, that elite-level player that, that he is already very close to being. Jones Angel is with us on Twitter. He's at Jones Angel. Since this young man is certainly going to leave some kind of special mark, we might as well add this footnote that I'm hoping you can help me with. What was up with the goggles? And might we only see, you know, whatever it was, 12 minutes of a goggled version of Cole Anthony because somehow, some way, he seemed to play a lot better after dis discarding those goggles. Yeah, it was kind of an odd side note to the game. And Cole does have corrective lenses that he'll wear. And um, so he basically said, because I asked about it, because he has worn them sometimes in practice but not all the time. 
and, and basically he just didn't he, – he doesn't love wearing contacts while he's playing, and so he was going to try and wear the goggles. But it, there were two shots early on that he took. One was a three that was – well too strong, a good foot over the rim, and then he took a three from the top of the key in transition that hit almost above the square on the backboard. And I think that was the one where even he kind of took the glasses off and looked at him like, what are you doing to me, glasses? And so (laughs) then from that point moving forward, he discarded them and was a lot better. And what he said in the postgame was that it just – it did – he felt like – get his depth perception off a little bit and just was a little wonky when he was out there on the floor. And and I think you could see that not just with missing shots, but how severely those shots were missed. And so um, I think it's fair to say, I can't tell you this with a hundred percent accuracy, but I think it's fair to say that, that we probably won't see those anymore for Cole Anthony. Quick reminder to those in the Eastern half, especially of our statewide audience, the Tar Heels are always on TV, of course, and you can catch Jones Angel on the radio calls at all times. They're actually at UNC Wilmington tomorrow night. Remember that C.B. McGrath, former assistant, longtime and beloved assistant of Roy Williams, is the head coach of the Seahawks. So you can actually see Cole Anthony and Jones Angel, for that matter, in Wilmington tomorrow night as the Tar Heels visit the Seahawks in a 7 p.m. or so start. Coaches are famous for wanting to manage expectations, and you've been around. You've seen in some years Coach K say out loud, hey, y'all need to understand that Jalil Okafor is going to be our best player even though he's only a freshman. How have you seen Roy Williams manage such things surrounding Cole Anthony? Because you just did a great job of describing why his teammates like him so much, but there is always that danger of either fans expecting too much or, you know, teammates resenting a superstar freshman? Well, the first part of that, I, I think the, the expectations have always been there on Cole Anthony. I mean, when, when your dad is who his dad is and Greg Anthony who had, was such a terrific player, and when you start getting that hype because of your performance as you go through AAU ball and those things, it's a different world now for freshmen even than it was, I think, 10 years ago and certainly when you go back 20, 25 years, something like that, where you know these guys so much earlier and you know their names so much earlier and they experience so much, so much earlier. Roy Williams talks about it all the time. The word that he uses is he thinks freshmen are so much more worldly now than they used to be because they travel all these places. They play in all these events. Um, It's just a different landscape in that regard. Coach Williams has been very open in in saying, I mean, I think when when he signed Cole or when Cole Anthony signed with Carolina and in the official release, Roy Williams said he might be the most complete point guard that he's ever recruited. I think that's a strong statement because we know how long Coach Williams is doing this and the quality of players that he's had. So he he has been very upfront with the fact that Cole Anthony is very, very good, and and there's no question about that. Um, To the second part of what you said, I think that's a lot of credit on Cole Anthony because there can be some times where if somebody comes in and and he gets the amount of hype that, that this young man has to this point, that there can be a problem. And the way it's not a problem is when you handle your, your business the way that Cole Anthony does and, and that he is a terrific teammate, very vocal, um, very encouraging, works really hard. And, and when, when his teammates see that, I think it's, 
you have no reason to resent it. You you appreciate it because he's doing all the things uh, the right way off the court. And so I think that that makes that part of it a lot easier. He he really is a, a first class kid in addition, and I say kid, but you know first class yeah. young guy. Um, in addition to being a terrific basketball player. When Dean Smith won his two national titles, he did so with kind of deferential pass-first, play-D guys like Jimmy Black and Mm -hmm. Derek Phelps, right? Um, Now, Dean also had Phil Ford and Kenny Smith, so it's not like he he didn't uh, allow the possibility of a scoring point guard. Do you think it's college basketball changing? Do you think it's Roy Williams having a slightly different philosophy? Because, man, from Cole Anthony to Kobe White last year almost led the team in scoring. Joel Berry did. Marcus Page did. Uh, Ty Lawson and Raymond Felton didn't lead the team in scoring, but they certainly were scoring point guards while also distributing the ball. What do you make of all that? Because it's mostly the same system, but, uh, I don't know, two somewhat different sets of point guards. Yeah, no doubt. And I think I was going to go through some of the names that you did right then because I think that's the best examples I can give you is that I think Roy Williams' teams have been at their very best when they have had an aggressive lead guard who looks for his own shot but also can balance running the offense in total. And that's why I go back to what I said earlier about it. It's not easy to, to be the point guard in this at Carolina because you're asked to do so yeah. much. And, and so those guys you mentioned, I mean, Raymond Felton, uh, Ty Lawson, Joel Berry, we're talking about some, some all-time players at that position for Carolina. And they were so good at balancing knowing when they needed to go do it uh, with I need to get somebody else involved. And I think you saw – there's a great example. I think even last night with Cole Anthony, DG, he was on fire. We saw it. I mean, he yeah. was red hot. He was making it happen. But I think the biggest basket of the game was actually a pass from Cole Anthony to Andrew Playtech, who knocked in an open three yeah. um, that stretched the lead. I think it made it eight or nine at that point. That gave Carolina a little – working room and Cole Anthony if he had shot that shot nobody in the Smith Center would have gone oh boy what are you doing they'd have gone hey yeah you're (laughs) on fire keep going but he saw his teammate had a better look and so um, I thought that was just a nice uh, snapshot of yes and there's no doubt Cole Anthony is the most talented offensive player that Carolina has on his team Um, but he also in that moment where they needed a basket it was the momentum was behind you he still made the right play not just looking for his own points good stuff Jones Angel on Twitter at Jones Angel. Catch him again tomorrow night. Tar Heels at the UNC Wilmington Seahawks. Thank you, as always, for the time and the expertise. We'll be knocking on your door again. Oh, DG, always enjoy it, man. You're the best. Good to talk with you, and I look forward to doing it again soon. Thank you, sir. Right back at you. David Cutcliffe of Duke live in 10 minutes. I remembered which guest was showing up when. And thanks to Jones Angel, we're back after this. If my low and away curve that barely paints the black so frequently that nobody can hit it, you're going to tell me I got to throw change-ups, fastballs, and sliders all the time? Oh, it's too difficult to hit TTG's <laughs> low and away curveball. Wah, 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 wah. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. 14 years ago, David Cutcliffe was hired to be a coach at Notre Dame. Then he suffered a heart attack. He's back and facing Notre Dame this Saturday night at Wallace Wade. Coach Cut, next on the David Glenn Show. 
Ruffin McNeil, welcome back. I know we'll always be a huge part of you and your family. You know, this will be my last coaching stop. After this, yeah, maybe join you in a radio show or Amen. do some of that. Yeah. We'll, but, be, we'll uh, be doing some remote shows from your boat in the middle of the Caribbean somewhere <laughs> if I have my way. <laughs> You're listening to The David Glenn Show.